Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 201. I'm Rob Wright, Security News Director at Tech Target, and I am here with security news writer Alex Kalafi. Alex, welcome. Hey, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, no complaints. Um, you know who's not doing well, though, is <laughs> the Hive ransomware gang. Yes, yes. We, we are going to talk about Hive today. Uh, we are recording this on January 30th, 2023, Monday afternoon. And yeah, big news, big news for law enforcement. So I think folks have been waiting for something like this for a while, at least InfoSec folks. Uh, mm-hmm. On Thursday, January 26th, the DOJ, U.S. Department of Justice, made a um, big announcement that they had teased earlier that uh, earlier that morning. They had uh, disrupted the Hive ransomware group, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, normally you, you you see this type of information, you see this type of headline, and you think, okay, they've got some domains. Maybe they got some, they took down some servers, they knocked their uh, leak site offline, whatever. And, and you're like, okay, is that it? No, the big deal. They're going to spring right back up. However, this one was a little different. Mm-hmm. This one was a little different, Alex, and you wrote about it. Um, so you know that it was not your usual ransomware law enforcement takedown. This one was. Uh, a pretty big deal. A, a BFD, as the as the kids like to say, or or you know, <laughs> President Joe Biden is uh, want to say sometimes. Uh, the, uh, the kids would say that this was not a mid takedown. <laughs> no, this was not a mid takedown. This was uh, pretty significant. So, what happened uh, in this? incident right so hive is a ransomware as a service operator they run the the sort of malware and then affiliates sort of uh get the malware and conduct attacks they 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 popped up mid 2021 Mm -hmm. and um according to reports from the government they had they had done about 1500 or so attacks over the course of their let's say year to two years Mm -hmm. out in the open um, Thursday morning, we got reports that the Hive ransomware leak site had a takedown notice, uh, sort of by that featured the Department of Justice and and some mm-hmm. other law enforcement organizations. Um, and then I ended up uh, checking it out myself. It was it was totally there. Although I hadn't seen a GIF version of um one of these takedown notices because. It's it's one of those like this hidden site has been seized by the Fuhrer, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, but yeah. it was it was a GIF um, where it was like actually flashing between different languages. So I think that Cyrillic was was one of them. There may have been um, German, like like there were there were several different languages. But anyways, this was totally legit. And then uh, a few hours later, the Department of Justice held a press conference which had Attorney General Merrick Garland. It had uh, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, FBI Director Christopher Wray. There were a few other people. I think there was someone from Europol there, mm-hmm. two maybe. Um, and they announced that there had been a joint sort of law enforcement investigation 
led by the FBI's Tampa uh, field branch, in which they seized Hive's, uh, some of Hive's critical infrastructure in the form of servers that were located in Los Angeles. Now, what was so interesting about this was that it on, on the surface, you're like, okay, they got servers with critical infrastructure. This might not be completely devastating. They didn't announce any arrests, or at least they said that they had nothing to say regarding arrests because of ongoing investigations. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really made this like a critical hit right in the heart is um, that the FBI had been um, undercover operating within hive ransomware for the past several months since like june or july of last year um mm -hmm. and over the course of their sort of time on the inside they they handed out like 1300 decryption keys to previous and ongoing hive ransomware victims yeah um and according to merrick garland and in the, in the press release and stuff this work prevented victims from paying um, $130 million, at least according to the ransom demands. People can sometimes negotiate, and, and often they do, but $130 million, which is an impressive amount. Um, but even more impressive to me is just, one, that they managed to get away with handing out 1,300 decryptor keys, decryption keys, and yep. two, that they managed to operate from within side Hive for months which, um, even if this announcement Thursday didn't have any devastating stuff on its own, because you never really know how critical these servers are or, or like what it means to the organization, um, mm -hmm. the amount of evidence collection and uh, perpetrator identification and, and, let's say, law enforcement planning that can happen over that seven, eight, nine month period is just... I, well, I imagine that's quite devastating to, to Hive yeah. as, as an organization. Yep. Yep. Huge, huge. So I, I, I want to jump right into the, the, you know, just the being able to infiltrate this ransomware group in secrecy and just sitting there and just collecting the decryption. It's just absolutely fascinating to me. And I have a lot of questions about how that worked and how it all unfolded. But one thing I want to note, Los Angeles, what, why, how, how, well, first of all, why was, was <laughs> Hive using servers in, 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 in the U.S. Right. and not in some, you know, not using servers for some or, or from a bulletproof hosting provider in some country that doesn't, you know, give two craps about U.S. law enforcement efforts to curb ransomware. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just seems like such an odd choice. And I know I, 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 people have pointed this out on Twitter, just noting that, like, it seems like a, a bad move <laughs> by Hive to... The, the operators to be using infrastructure based in this country. Um, it seems like it was a, a, a gift that you're probably not going to get if you're law enforcement very often. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't know why they did it. 
Um, it, it's so odd to me. Uh, and I'm dying to know. So the, the, in the court documents in the DOJ press release, the, the name of the uh, provider that was running the target servers identified by law enforcement, it, it's redacted. And I guess it's really redacted, like not just poorly redacted and um, enabling other, uh, you know, intrepid researchers or, or members of the press to figure out the name. Um, no, I haven't seen anything in um, infosec circles that would suggest that anyone knows who the provider is. But it's so weird. Uh, I, I just don't know why they did that and why it seems pretty brazen, doesn't it? I guess the question is, like, what does servers in Los Angeles mean? Like, does it mean that there's a physical person who is sympathetic to this group running a server out of their house? Probably unlikely. But does yeah. it does it mean that they're paying some hosting service that is, like, based in one country, but they're also utilizing different servers around the world? Or they're just using some American hosting company and we're just really dumb about it. And it was just bad luck or, or it's, it's hard to, it I is. Mean, I, to be fair, I'll admit, I don't really know that much about, about how the hosting stuff works, but yeah. I, I, I'm not sure how this, how this could have happened either. I mean, I mean, they were definitely using servers in other countries. I mean, the, 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 the DOJ documentation, says specifically that I, I believe it was um, the Netherlands. Uh, yes. So they had servers uh, for from a Dutch infrastructure provider, I assume, or maybe it was a private entity, who knows. But that they were also using infrastructure in Los Angeles. And, and you're right. Like, we don't know if that was just some small fly-by-night you know, maybe, you know, private individual who was running hosting services, or maybe this was one of those cases where threat actors got uh, free accounts or, or low cost accounts with a major um, hosting provider, cloud provider, and were able to sort of keep their activity on the down low without the provider knowing about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems unlikely, but you never know. Um, I just thought that that was pretty brazen of them to to go and use infrastructure in the U.S. when they know that U.S. law enforcement is certainly after their hides. So I, I little shocking to me. Um, but let's go back to the decryption keys. Were you surprised by that, Alex? Um. That's sort of the big question that we've talked about a couple times right now is, is how did the U.S. government manage to get these keys to victims yeah. without blowing their spot? Unless yep. they did it at once and quickly uh, towards, toward the end of uh, their time there. But, I mean... There are timeline questions and discretion questions that that are really remaining uh, in this in this whole thing. But am I surprised? I guess so. 
in, in part because 1,300 people, 300 being ongoing victims, meaning yeah. probably the riskier ones, uh, as well as 1,000 previous victims who, who I'm guessing either hadn't paid or... Or maybe it was just, these are all the people, so here are the keys, we don't know what stage you're at, or yep. if you paid, but here's the key if you need it. Yeah, um, the, the language is yeah. a little vague, and I think purposefully so. You know, it just says, since infiltrating Hive's network in July 2022, the FBI has provided over 300 decryption keys to Hive victims who were under attack, end quote. So Right. And then, uh, and then distributed more than 1,000 additional decryption keys to previous Hive victims, end quote. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I guess I was surprised why this, in retrospect, why this hadn't happened sooner. Because, mm -hmm. you know... And I let me back up. There have been rumors and there's been chatter and there's been idle speculation in the InfoSec community, particularly with the folks that are entrenched in the dark web that you know maybe work for threat intelligence providers or maybe work independently about the FBI having infiltrated not just one group but multiple groups. Mm-hmm. And but there's 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 never been any like really hard and there's been accusations I should note for, of of you know groups against one another saying you're working with the feds or you've been hacked by the feds. So yeah. that's been going on for a while um, now. Until recently, last week, I don't think there's been any like hard evidence that that had taken place. But this seems pretty significant for me because. So not only were they able to do it, and this was a question that a lot of people were asking in the wake of Conti leaks. You know, apparently that was one Ukrainian researcher who was able to get into the Conti ransomware group and just and just pwn them, just absolutely take everything they had, chats, source code, documentation, inner workings, everything. And, you know, whether that really led to the shutdown of the group or whether they just, you know, kind of scattered because, you know, why not just cover your bases, I guess, and pop up somewhere else with some other ransomware groups. Who knows? Whether it was more about them ending up on sanctions lists or being threatened with sanctions and feeling like they weren't going to get paid. Maybe that was the reason they shut down. Who knows? But if one, if one presumably, Ukrainian researcher can get into one of these groups and just do a number on them, then you can, you're kind of sitting there going, why can't, you know, why can't we do that? Why can't law enforcement do that? And I, I'll say initially, I was thinking that it would be like the NSA or something like that. You know, maybe, maybe tailored access group has uh, more important, things to do bigger fish to fry than to jump into some of these ransomware groups and sit on their infrastructure for six months. I I'm sure they do, but the fact that the FBI was able to do this and get in there and I guess without them knowing, uh, conduct this operation, infiltrate them to the core and get their decryption keys is just, it's very impressive. 
I'm a little surprised, like I said, that it, something like this didn't happen sooner, knowing how much focus the federal government has put on fighting back against ransomware and right. really taking aggressive action against them. And this is aggressive. So I, I'm, like I said, a little surprised it maybe didn't happen sooner, but credit to them because this is, this is big. Uh, to, to be able to get that kind of information and close them down, at least temporarily, is, is no small feat. And they deserve a lot of credit. Um, but it just goes to show, I think, that look, these guys aren't like super f- f- criminals. They're not, you know, masterminds. They're probably oh, a lot of younger people, kids, quote unquote, sure. that are, are interacting with, you know, probably infrastructure that is not, that doesn't have great OPSEC. I, that's just a guess. That's just a guess. They're probably not out there buying, um, you know, CrowdStrike mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to protect their systems. They're probably running, um, you know, on uh, hosting providers or, or, or cloud service providers out there that maybe, you know, uh, are, are okay, but not great. So you just kind of wonder why the, we we can't see more of this, and I guess I guess a big part of that is jurisdiction and and identifying which servers and infrastructure and which providers the ransomware groups are using. But like, I mean, this is the kind of thing I think that it's going to take to really turn the tide against ransomware. Because mm-hmm. I mean, this absolutely pulled the rug out from under Hive, and I I should note that I I think it was a few different um, threat research groups uh, and threat intelligence groups have noted this, but um, I definitely group IB, the, the InfoSec consulting firm um, does a lot of threat intelligence. I think they had noted that, I think they were first to write about Hive way back when, I think in, in the winter of uh, 2021, December, 2021, but they noted that um, a few weeks ago they had just, um, stopped seeing any new attacks from hive huh. there, was, there was no there was no act seemingly no activity from them so you wonder like maybe they finally caught on and that's why the fbi um announced when they did maybe they were just gonna sit on this indefinitely i don't know what do you think um so the the bigger question isn't does Hive survive and more what kind of arrests does the government secure from this? Yeah. Because if they don't manage to arrest anyone, then Hive is just gonna disband. Like like there there's a pretty good chance that that when that when that sort of activity stopped, yeah. that Hive just sort of was already like okay, disbanded. Uh, pick up new projects. I I forget who which story I wrote. Um, a couple weeks ago, but it was um, it was about how oh, it was the chainalysis thing. I uh, I did a chainalysis report where they were talking about how um many affiliates use different ransomwares like they're not just committed to one type of ransomware that they're working on others and that when 
one ransomware gang goes down, let's say Revil, or let's say, uh, as probably likely in this case, Hive, that they just form other groups, or they just do their own thing and end up doing other ransomware. Um, And, like, that's what I think is very likely for the most part, unless they secure a bunch of arrests. But um, we'll see if that even happens. Like it, wait, it's um, I forget. Is Hive located in Russia? Uh, Russian-speaking individuals, but they don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to tell if they're, you know, right? Because because if they're based in Russia right now, and Russia is has sort of become the nation-state type kinetic threat that it sort of became over the last 12, 15 months, whatever. Um, cause, cause I think we're just about coming up on a year on the, on the Ukraine invasion. Um, I think securing extradition would be very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but I gotta say though, like, I mean, how many times have we seen recently where we, I mean, there was just the case, the, the case with the, the, you know, the, it was the uh, crypto platform where the, the they were the guy was running it out of uh, South Florida, Miami. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- why? <laughs> you sit there, you go, why was this guy, um, knowing that he was involved, it, presumably, and allegedly, illegal activity, like, why did he feel the need to go and live in or reside in Florida in the States. Why? The truth is these guys do things like this all the time where they go to countries that have uh, ties to, to Western governments that have, that are on friendly terms that have extradition treaties that are working with them on fighting against cybercrime. And you just wonder like, like, are they, are they just not smart? Are they just, they're so confident that, that they're operating in secrecy and that, that law enforcement agencies don't know who that they are so that they can go instead of to, you know, I don't know, vacation in uh, uh, some country that doesn't have an extradition treaty, that they can go to Miami beach, that they can go to, um, I don't, I don't know, wherever. And, and these these guys do get arrested sometimes like that. Um, yeah. So yeah. Is it likely that we're going to get all of these guys or that, that, that we're going to see mass arrests? Probably not, but I do think they probably have a good, they must have a good idea at least who some of these individuals are. And I don't know. I, I don't know if that's going to lead to actual arrests or just charges. I don't know if they're going to get someone to sing and cooperate with the investigation. I, it's a great question. I do feel like, yeah, for this to be like a true slam dunk, like, like an absolute, Oh my God, this is, this is an unequivocal, just absolute win for law enforcement against ransomware you probably do need a, a few arrests and not just of affiliates. Like you need whoever was behind hive. You need to, to get a head or two on a pike. 
figuratively speaking, I'm, I'm not, you know, not saying we need to behead anyone here. This isn't Game of Thrones. Come on. Um, <laughs> but it's important. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it's one thing to just identify an individual or two and charge them and just wait for them to slip up. It's another to to get them in custody and to lock them up. Sure. Um, maybe the optimistic way of looking at this is that what's happening with Hive itself is good and that it pro- is really good and that it may have saved from uh, some um, victims from, from a really bad recovery process into making yes. it uh, a, a less difficult one. Um, yep. Obviously, your mileage may vary on that. Um, but maybe the most optimistic way of looking at this is we don't really know if the number of, of let's say, warm bodies conducting ransomware attack is going to go down as a result of this. Right. 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 But if the U S government continues to get this continues to be this sharp and aggressive against ransomware attacks, which is an extremely optimistic thing to hope. Um, that's really promising and good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that if they do this with a bunch of major groups, well, maybe they don't get arrests here, but maybe they get arrests eventually and they make it less profitable to uh, do ransomware attacks and add additional risks, which means future 20 year olds aren't getting into the game. Right. Maybe. Yeah. It's it's that's sort of, I think the long term might be the more hopeful thing more than hive being over per se right i to that point i'll mention something that well i think a couple people have have talked to me about in the past it in that okay so you don't get any arrests or or charges right now but sometimes activity like this law enforcement activity can can like the disruption isn't just in name only according to the DOJ press press release there there could be mm. real disruption here in the sense that you know ransomware groups used to operate very loosely with like their affiliates and like to confirm that an affiliate actually was who they said they are it was not a lot of vetting or you know you 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 know, you could get the code and go off and make your attacks and, and make arrangements with the operators pretty easily without having to prove who you were and what you were doing and show an actual track, all that stuff. That's changed over the last few years. And mm-hmm. um, the operators are, are apparently a lot more paranoid about being infiltrated by you know, undercover law enforcement, undercover re- threat researchers, and it's created a lot of like paranoia and infighting amongst these groups and the affiliates and the ransomware authors and the ransomware operators and so on and so forth. And like, I think that kind of chaos can be beneficial in the long run because, like you said, if they're if they're if they're concerned about this and they're looking over their shoulders 
and other people are looking at this from afar going, is this something I really want to be involved in? Like, do I want to get into this? Like maybe I could do something that's a, you know, to use a, a, a term from uh, arrested development instead of going full treason, maybe just some light treason, um, maybe just <laughs> some light cybercrime, maybe not full on ransomware. Uh, then maybe that's the yeah. way to go. Um, because I do think that this, this has to have a somewhat um, tangible and, and, and sort of uh, detrimental effect on the ransomware ecosystem for those affiliates out there that are like, oh, geez, you mm-hmm. know, man, they got in there and they, so they have all the communications. They, they know that at least what usernames, screen names, et cetera, accounts on various hacking forums and so on and so forth. That's, you know, that's going to create, like I said, some chaos and some distrust and some, I maybe necessitate these guys to change up even more how they do things and require more authentication and control over how they do business. Um, and maybe that'll be enough to, to put a real dent in the activity. If it just slows it down a little bit and, and, and makes it harder for people to get into um, the affiliate programs, makes it harder because the, the, Operators are much more demanding on who they're going to work with and who they trust. Because I don't mm. really know how you would trust anyone at this point. Right. You know? So, mm-hmm. not that I sympathize with those guys, but yeah, it's got to be hard. So, but yeah. overall, I think I think we're in agreement. You know, kudos to the FBI, DOJ, all the international law enforcement agencies that were involved in this one. This This was a notorious group that had a lot of victims and made a lot of people's lives miserable and cost a lot of money and for them to go in and get those keys and to infiltrate them to that extent is uh, it's impressive. So hats off for sure. Well, Alex, I appreciate you jumping on the uh the pod with me to discuss uh, a win a win something positive oh, yeah. alex <laughs> a a good news good yeah. news um and and good good enough news that we're we're not sitting here like poking a million holes in it being like this is this is just a server takedown this is this is not that big of a deal it's it's a pretty like i said bfd good for everyone out there i'm glad we we got a chance to to talk about something positive oh sure. yeah who who knows who knows when the last time uh on this podcast that we or more accurately you were talking about good news i know i know we should go back and look this is 201 so 201 episodes and it's probably few and far between but maybe double digits <laughs> if we're lucky uh we'll see we'll see uh, okay. I'll do a thorough review after we're, we're done recording. Sure. Um, but but thank you. I appreciate of course. it, Alex. Of course. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Tech Target Editorial and the Risk and Repeat podcast. I'm Rob Wright, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>